Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I am super excited for today's episode. So I really started getting into the world of ultra running, I don't know, probably like a few years ago, right? Which is crazy to think, you know, that we're on this podcast. But one of like the early races that I tuned into was the Havelina 100 of last year. And I was enamored specifically, you know, by the people who were nailing the golden ticket spots at that race. And so one of them, as you know, Arlen Glick, we've had on the show. And then the second one, who's someone I've been a fan of ever since, you know, I saw his incredible performance at Havelina 100 and been following him so diligently because he's not only a great athlete, but he's just a great human being and everything that he's doing out there, not just out on the trails and in the world of running, but in the world of just being an advocate um, for a community that I think is just, you know, we need more of in the trail running space. And I think he's a great voice for that. And I don't want to spoil it. I want him to to really just dive into, you know, what that means and how special it is to him. But ultimately today's guest is not only amazing athlete, but like I said before, an amazing person. So we're going to dive into a bunch of different things here on this conversation. So excited to dive in with the one, the only Ryan Montgomery. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Joe, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, I've been really excited to get to know you as well. So it's mutually beneficial, this circumstance. <laughs> oh, thank you so thank you so much. That really, really means a ton, especially coming, like I said, from from someone who I've seen and been like, this guy is awesome. Like he's so cool. And so it's been awesome to follow your journey, your growth and everything you're doing, like as an advocate for, for, for the space that you're being a champion of. And, uh, so cool to have you on the podcast here, but before we dive into all the meat and potatoes and good stuff that we're going to have to dive into this episode, what's like the story on Ryan and how did, how did Ryan get in the world of ultra running? Because man, you, you've had such a cool career, like, so to say, and, it's so interesting to hear, you know, where our guests come from in terms of their background. So would love to hear what made the, uh, the Ryan Montgomery story. story. (laughs) Well, I think I need to write a memoir and like write a book (laughs) and then maybe we can tell the full story (laughs) because there's a lot of twists and turns just like everybody. But, you know, I feel like everyone has such an interesting story for how they got into ultra running because, it's not such a, like a, a mainstream sport, such as like, oh, I do basketball or, you know, I run five Ks, you know, once a month, it is like something that requires so much of someone to like, want to go do. Um, so yeah, I'm, I feel like everyone has like crazy stories, but so for me, I, so I've always grown up as a runner. I did cross country in middle school, you know, in high school, but really the, as I think back into my running experiences and like why I was so motivated to run ultras, especially at such a young age, I'm 28 today. Um, I ran my first ultra in 2016. Um, so I don't know, I can't do math on the top of my head. That's like 24 years old or, you know, 22 years old. Um, but when I was in high school, I was always so motivated to like 
push myself to like new achievements. Um, and so you can guess, like I was like the straight A student, I was in leadership. I was like that annoying person in high school. Um, and I remember in cross country, I remember telling my cross country coach that I'm going to do a marathon. And I was a freshman in high school and I told her I'm going to do this marathon. And I remember she said that Ryan, if you do this, you're never going to run again and you're going to jeopardize your running career. And as like queer people, people telling you that you can't do something is like a challenge. <laughs> so I took it as a challenge and I was like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to show her. And it was tough, but I did it. And I learned so much about myself. And, you know, fast forward to when I was a sophomore in high school, um, one of my ex teachers um, reached out to me and she mentioned, Hey, like, Hey, there's this nonprofit that's taking youth on these expeditions and like random places of the world. Like you should apply plus you like running. And so I applied and there's, so this nonprofit's called impossible to possible. If your listeners don't know this org, like you should definitely look and look them up. Um, they've made like a really positive impact in a lot of people's lives, but it's founded by like one of the OGs of like our sport, Ray Zahab. Um, he lives in Ottawa, Canada. Um, if you don't know him for like all the newbie ultra runners, he has like a really amazing story of like, um, tackling some amazing like feats in the ultra running world. But anyways, fast forward to, I get selected for this expedition. I'm 16 years old. I'm flown to Bolivia with all these other youth and we run like a marathon a day for like five days. So Can crazy. you imagine this scenario? It's like, isn't this so random? It's so random, but also just like so cool at the same time. Um, but in this expedition, not only am I like going through the feelings and experiences of an ultra marathon, but I'm being led by these guides who are ultra marathoners themselves. And they are telling me stories of bad water, 135 of all these crazy ultras. And I'm just like, what is this world? Like, what is this sport? Like people do this. And I remember like walking away from the experience in high school, so young, like being so inspired and wanting to do this again. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do these hundred mile races. I want to do this. I want to learn. I want to be like these people. Um, and so fast forward to today and now I do ultra marathons and I'm one of those crazy people. <laughs> so awesome. Like, I remember like hearing you talk about like doing that five, uh, five day marathon consecutive challenge. Uh -huh. And I was like, where was this when I went to high school? Like, this sounds like the coolest thing ever, but I, I, I think when you talk about like your love for ultra marathoning, it hits some, like it hits like a point, like with all of us where we get into the sport. Right. I love how, like all the lessons that like you see, like in the sport, in the grit, in like the inspiration that people can find throughout there, which is amazing. So it's so cool to see that background and that, you know, you found something, it started from a challenge that someone said, Hey, you know, you can't do this. And you were like, I'll show you. And here you are now, like, you know, not just doing this from like a place of like trying to push your limits, but really like learn yourself. And one thing when I was listening to uh, you and a few other podcasts, I thought like a, an amazing thing that you mentioned was that like 
ultra running helped you to like step into more of who you are. And, you know, as someone, you know, in the queer community and someone who's like an advocate for that and understanding that, you know, it can be, it can be a challenging time for, for people in, you know, those positions. And so to say like, how does like ultra running kind of relate to that? And how did it help you kind of step into, you know, really just fully being yourself? And maybe how can our listeners do that, whether they're in the queer community or maybe, you know, just feeling like they can't truly be themselves out there? Yeah, I, thanks for asking that question, because I feel like my running experience and ultra running especially has like helped me identify who I am and has helped me you know, quote unquote, like come out of my closet and like have that empowerment. Um, and as I've reflected on like my experiences as running and like how much that has allowed me to embrace who I am and express myself in like outdoor spaces, like running an ultra marathon, like inherently is so vulnerable. You have to be like, so aware of yourself or you if you're not, you become aware of yourself <laughs> and you become so aware of your inadequacies and your thoughts and the deepest corners of your brain kind of come in front and center. And so I've had so much opportunity to process all that while running on trails. Mm. And so I think running has really been a catalyst to allow me to be comfortable, to allow me to ask those questions of myself of like, Ryan, like, who are you? Like, how do you express yourself? Is this like a lifestyle you want? Is this actually who you are? And, you know, how do you feel about that experience? Did you like it, you know? And so as I think about how running has been such a aid for me in that way, I think about how much like ultra running um, makes everyone kind of come out of their own closets. Like we all have our own closets, whether it's like, I'm not emotionally vulnerable or I have issues with my partner or I actually really hate my job and I don't know how to pro like running gives us the avenue to process that. Um, and so I think like when I talk to people and express like how much running has helped in my queer journey, I like try to relate it back to like, think about a time, like when you came to like this big realization in running now, like 50 X that, you know, like that was my experience, you know? So I think everyone can kind of relate to that to some extent. That's so, man, that was like so powerful. I got like the chills when you were saying that because it's it's so true. Like, I mean, like in an ultra marathon, you are at like probably some of, one of the most like physically and maybe even mentally painful experiences yeah. out there, right? Like mile 80, like of a hundred miles, like you're beat up, probably maybe <laughs> chafing somewhere. You've got blisters, like you're might be crying and laughing at the same time, right? It is like that experience of really that, like just being vulnerable and like really seeing the things inside of you that, you know, maybe are ugly or maybe like are painful to look at. Mm -hmm. Right. But like in the end of the day, like getting those out in the open, like you mentioned, coming out of whatever closet that maybe you've been putting these things in helps like to you to step into it more and realize it. And ultimately like be like, okay, like, you know, this, this is who I am. Like, this is what I have to take to conquer that and everything like that. Like yeah. how, as you, as like, you know, in, in your specific journey, like being, you know, in, in the queer space and really ultimately, you know, helping to be an advocate for that, I guess, like, what was your journey? Like, I mean, fully stepping into that, I guess, like when maybe was that time when you were like, mm -hmm. this is who I am and I'm not afraid anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm Ryan and I'm proud of it. And, and this is who I am. I think everyone kind of knows what demons are inside of them and wrestling with, but it's almost like you need a catalyst to like process it and like acknowledge it. 
And I remember when I was at school, I, I went to university here in Utah and it was like my sophomore year, I think, where um, I had a friend who invited me to a trail run in Park City, which is where I now live. I live in the Park City area. And um, he invited me and there was like a bunch of other new people that I had never met. It was like my first time going on like a really significant trail run, like real trails. Um, sorry, I should backtrack. There is no like real trail, but like a more quote unquote, like mountainous trail, like more technical. Mm. Um, and it was the first time where like people asked me questions and I like actually verbally acknowledged like, oh yeah, I'm gay. And, you know, I didn't have the language of queer at that point, but I'm like, yeah, I'm gay. And it was like my first time where I like spoke about it and, then like, as I went on more trail runs, I like opened up more and I like shared more with other friends who I'm running with. Um, you know how, like when you run with people or you like run with a friend, it just becomes like a nail salon where you just like talk and you like chat, yes. chat and you vent and you're like, this happened to me yesterday, Jessica. Um, <laughs> I feel so like trail true. running gave me that space and allowed me to address, like acknowledge to myself, like who I am. And mm. verbalizing that uh, like started like the processing of like, oh man, like this is who I am. Like, I guess, what does that mean now? You know? And, and so it, it really was like a catalyst for that. And so that really started like trail running with a friend in Park City. Um, and then I think as I had more trail experiences and met more people and actually found out that it wasn't scary to talk about it and people were actually really welcoming um, it gave me just more of that empowerment to, you know, kind of like own that narrative. That's so awesome. And it's so cool to see, like, it was just like, you know, being out on the trails with some friends, like, right. Like where people mm -hmm. would say, oh, this is just like a normal trail run, but like you felt comfortable. People were asking questions. You were surrounding yourself with the community. And, you know, like you said, like, I think there is something to that, like where it is like that nail salon out there where <laughs> almost like when everyone's like huffing and puffing almost, it's like you, you, I don't know, like there's just like this in inclination to open up a little more. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause like we're all suffering, like our guards down, like people yeah. are seeing us probably like sweat and like huff and puff <laughs> and like probably not look our best. So we're like, Hey, like might as well, like, you know, just, just be open and be ourselves. Cause it's like, we're all, we're all kind of like in this, like suffering space together like whether it is in an ultra training run or anything like that like do you think like that's kind of like what helped to push that a little bit that that's totally what happened you know what what happened is that the trails created a space that felt comfortable and put people's barriers down and my friends created a space where i felt that was welcoming enough for me to be vulnerable um, and so as I kind of like reflect on that story, which thanks so much for asking, cause I kind of had forgotten about it. Um, I, I feel like I've learned like how important it is to like create spaces or like where people feel welcome. Mm. Um, so now I'm getting to like my takeaway here Yes, <laughs> about I love like, it. you know, queer inclusion, you know, especially in trail running, because just like having a trail doesn't like make it inherently, you know, inclusive. Right. But like the environment around it is like what makes it inclusive. And so as I think about like spaces I want to create and the people whom I want to invite there, like that is what makes like such a safe space. And like the, the, the context of like being in like the forest or like on a mountain trail is like what allows that to just like naturally happen. But it's like the people and like the space you create that like really makes that happen, you know? 
Yeah, that's amazing. And one thing I really appreciate you, Ryan, is like you are actively like, you know, not someone who just realizes this, like you're out there doing this, like you're out there creating these spaces, you're out there, you know, creating these opportunities, like for the community to really like, you know, like you said, just have like a safe space and really be themselves. So tell us a little bit more about like some of the things you're doing in that space, because I think it's it's amazing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people listening to the podcast who want to help and be involved and be advocates and ultimately like create this amazing place, like where people can feel included and safe and everything like that. So tell us a little bit more about kind of what you're doing, like in the space. Cause I think it's just totally special. I feel like there's so many things I want to talk about with that. Um, <laughs> um, I guess I would love to talk about like out trails, which is like a, yeah. a more of an interest group that I'm like starting to formalize. Um, but before that, I, when I think about, when I think about like the work that needs to be done in like trail running, which is a sport, like we love, we cherish, but as my network is growing of LGBTQ people, such as my trans community, my non-binary community, I'm just learning so much more about the barriers for those people Mm-hmm. And it's making me just so much more passionate to like want to drive change. And I'm actually, I'm going to open up my uh, phone really quick because I was just talking to one of my friends um, about like some of the issues as it relates to like trail running and mm-hmm. how like right from the get-go of like registering for a freaking race, like they're not racing or they're not doing these, these events because they don't really feel like they're seen. Mm-hmm. And I really like what this person said. They said, um, especially in sport, like where part of the whole idea of the whole idea is for us to become ourselves and become more comfortable in our own skin and in our own power. And it seems especially cruel to ask people to not show up as themselves. And I'm specifically Mm -hmm. talking in this context of, you know, this is a a person that would be classified as non-binary in a race registration, but you know, imagine like showing up to like a golden ticket race and, you know, this is who I am. And the only option is like male and female. It's like, you have to literally lie every time you fill mm. out a freaking form. And so I'm like hearing these stories and I'm just like, oh, I like feel so hard for these people because I have felt that, you know, years ago when I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And I remember that feeling of like not feeling comfortable, you know, being myself around other friends on in a trail running context. And so like, those are the things that I'm like so passionate about and I'm like trying to drive awareness of, um, which like brings me to like my point of, I'm seeing this need of like community and like community activation um, mm-hmm. and like creating those spaces, like what we were just talking about. And it feels like so vulnerable, like doing that because as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, I'm very type A and I like to be successful and I like to win. <laughs> and I determine failure as like lack of participation or like lack mm. of showing up, you know, for events if I'm going to host an event. But I've had to like let go of those fears and just like do it and just like action on it and just like charge forward. And I think this year was a really great testament to me that if I can just go forward, it's going to be successful. So I had this idea of like hosting an all like running retreat, um, this year, and I had no plans other than 
I, I'm going to do it. And I don't know how. And so I found an operation partner, um, Aspire Adventure Running to be like my operation and logistics people. And then I realized like, oh, I need money to like fund scholarships because I want to eliminate barriers to entry. And so I like tap all my sponsors, like Ultra, Ultimate Direction, BioLite, Summit Coffee, um, you know, and Gnarly Nutrition. And I'm like asking them, hey, can you like contribute dollars to, you know, this event so that we can like give free experiences to these people, you know? And like, I was met with tons of yeses, which is awesome. And then, you know, just about a few weeks ago, we came off of our, our flagship event, this running retreat where we brought 46, 45, you know, LGBTQ identifying people to Mount St. Helens and had a, um, a three day like running retreat. And it was just so special. Like we had a large contingent of like trans identifying people and half the group was non-binary and we had lots of people of color. Um, obviously there's like more opportunity for improvement in like all of those areas. Um, but like I walked away from that experience being like, Whoa, this was powerful. This is like Mm -hmm. what people like have been wanting, like, you know, as athletes, And so it just like motivated me more to like, want to like do this at like higher scale, you know? That's so awesome, man. That's so special. And I, I also appreciate you bringing up like, kind of like the, the, the story behind that, right? Like even just from the messages from your friend and everything, because I think, you know, it's something that, I mean, it isn't talked about a lot, but something that's like not always brought to the surface. I mean, like it's, it's honestly, like, even when I looked at your story today, like signing up for, for that golden ticket race, like I didn't even mm-hmm. think about that. I was like, wait, oh my gosh. Like, you know, I, I didn't even think that, you know, having a non-binary option was like affecting these people in this certain way. And it's, it's, I, I think it's amazing that you're not only bringing it to the spotlight, but you're also championing those communities. And it's so special to see that retreat came together. And I love that, like, Hey, we're going to make it happen and I'm going to figure it out as we go along. And it ended up being a massive success and everything like that. So it's super cool to see that, man. And I'm excited to see like, what's next for you. Thank you. I'm curious, like from the perspective of our listeners and even for, for me personally too, you know, as we look, you know, to, to be more inclusive into in, in the sport of trail running, whether it is like the individual athlete or kind of like what we're doing, are there steps that, that anyone listening can do to be more inclusive, to be more conscious, to be more aware and be more welcoming? Cause again, I think it's, um, in, you know, quite frankly for me, like I want to learn, I want to like be you know, more conscious of these things. So I'm curious, like what our listeners can do to, you know, to, to make those places happen. I, uh... I will give some examples, but I, I don't like telling people explicitly like what they should do versus mm. not do because it's dependent on like who you are and the privileges and skills and opportunities that you have mm. as a person to, to be an ally. And I went through like this workshop this year where we talked about like social change structures and like roles in social change. And I think there's like this fallacy where we think about like, oh, if you need to be a social change advocate, you need to like go down at the courthouse and like pick it and like, or go on strike or, you know, rally cry at our, you know, a protest. But like, that is one role of like, you know, 50 that you could have. And so what I learned in this workshop is that, you know, let's like take, let, let me go through like a thought process with your listeners. So like, think about like, number one, like, like what are skills that you have? You know, maybe you have the skill of, you know, I'm in sales in my day job. So I have 
I have a skill of like being able to like tell a story. Yeah. Other people might have the skill of, um, you know, are really good at like fundraising and like really good with finances. And so maybe their, their way of being an ally is like in the finance realm, or maybe you're like really good and you're a creative and an artist. And so like, maybe you can create like products and like art that like tells a story. And so like thinking about skills and then next, like thinking about your privileges. Um, so like one example is like, maybe some of you like come from a lot of financial privilege. And so like for you, maybe for you, it means that you can contribute to mm -hmm. like nonprofits, or maybe that means that you contribute to like other interest groups or Joe, maybe if it's like, you have a podcast, <laughs> I was just thinking the same yeah, thing. You have the yeah. privilege of a media company that like you can elevate other people's voices, or if you're yes. like an influencer and have a channel, you know, and so you can elevate other people's voices, or if you're an editor and a met. So it's like thinking about, you know, what resources are your fingertips and then using those to elevate other people's voices, I think is like the best answer I can give. Honestly, and that that is the best answer I've ever heard. Uh, considering, like you said, first of all, it's it's so empathetic, and it's so <laughs> like thinking about other people as well, and being conscious of the different skills and privileges, like you mentioned, like that people have. And there really is no one size fits all answer. I think like that is so cool, and it also empowers like people to like really. Uh, like show their advocacy in a way that is most powerful, like for them. Right. And like gets mm -hmm. that message out a lot more. Like for me, like I, you know, had the privilege of having this, this podcast and, you know, an audience and everything. And also like, I like to speak and, you know, consider myself like somewhat decent at it. So it's like, like putting those things together, it's like, oh, this might be not only the way that I can do it, but probably the way I can do it most effectively and powerfully and, you know, really get that message out there. So, man, I love that. I think that that was the best answer I've ever heard in regards to that question. So super cool to hear that and everything. And uh, I, I love yeah. it, man. And and I know that, uh, like you mentioned that you kind of have like a lot of things and you're fired up and really want to like go into this, like what's kind of like for the future for you in terms of, you know, your different projects in the area, you just kicked off like your amazing, you know, retreat, which is amazing, but like, what's what's kind of like ahead for you or maybe some ideas if you want to share if you don't want to share if you want to keep under wraps but i'm curious to hear uh do you mean like in the context of like this community building space that yeah. i'm like entering oh um yeah i don't have a playbook for it so i'm just kind <laughs> of winging it uh but i know i just like want to continue to like ride this like momentum and so like last week i hosted a hyper local um like Salt Lake based out trails, like community run. And like, I got like more people in the door in that way. And so I'm going to start doing that on a monthly basis. Um, I kind of look at other interest, other groups like trail sisters as a really good example mm. of like what I aspire to become. Um, Cause I really do think community starts at a local level and it's like mm -hmm. hyper local. And I think that's like where the glue should be. And so my goal is to like, maybe have like chapters like develop across the country um which is like my end goal um and then yeah I just want to do like more events and and like more um retreats and more opportunities for people to meet and mingle um like the people that met at this running retreat a few weeks ago are like going to be like friends for life and mm -hmm. Like, this is like the network we need to build in like this type of collaboration because like, that's when like shit really starts to like 
happen in like a good positive way. Um, so that's what gets me like really motivated. And I guess like that's my high level plan, but no, I don't have like some pretty PowerPoint with a plan. I'm just kind of going with it. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing that you're taking that approach because like y- y- it's so much emphasis on like the vision, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not so much a, like the how we're going to get there. It's just, hey, I got this vision and I know like, and I'm sure you know, like I've seen people, it's like, once you have the vision, like you're going to find a way to get there. And it's yeah. like, I can just hear you just talking about it, like thinking about like how hyper-local communities grow up in scale. And like, you know, that's, I've seen that too with communities even here in Phoenix, right? Like in all the different areas and stuff like that. And so I think you're on the right path, my friend. And if you're ever looking to do anything in like the Phoenix area, just tap me in, man. I'm happy to help in whatever, whatever way, shape or form. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course, man. And I'm, I'm super stoked for you. And I appreciate you sharing all this too. It's, it's something that, you know, we haven't talked about on this podcast yet. And I'm just so glad that you're able to be here and share this because I think it's so important to see and, and really just big changes that, you know, I want the sport to kind of like move towards for sure. And I think it has to move towards that in order to really like capture the essence of ultra running. Like you mentioned before that friend texted you, right? Like I was saying, it's like funny how sport, this sport, really dives into who you are as a person. It's like, how do we really encapsulate that? And mm-hmm. man, I just appreciate you sharing everything here for sure. Cause I think it's Thank moving you. us closer to that. We're going to get there. So I think it's, I think like when I, I, a big takeaway I learned for like when black lives matter was, you know, a focal point in all of our, our minds and mm-hmm. still today is that elevating other people's voices when in doubt, like that is the best thing that we can do, especially Mm -hmm. if we come from a position of influence. So I like think about if you have like a huge following, like that is the best way that you can, you know, advocate for someone. And it doesn't have to be your voice. It's like bringing in other people's voices. So um, like tomorrow I'm going to make a post about, you know, non-binary race categories again. And Mm -hmm. rather than being like my, my voice, I'm going to like bring other people's voices that are Mm. like have more authority in this space to like talk Mm. about right so I think that's like the best way we can approach it I do love that approach too and and that's exactly like you know why I like having guests with you on here because like for me like I I'd rather have you be on here and talking about it like someone who's experiencing this and in in there and like engaging with the community and and ultimately like a part of that community I think it's better to have those voices in there as well and like so that's why it's so cool to like have someone like you on here going through and sharing these things because like I listen, I I love to be an ally and I love to like say these things, but it's so much more powerful coming from, you know, you being here for sure. And I I think it's just such a, you know, gift to our audience that you're here doing it, man. And like, it's, it's just an honor to have you on here just talking about it. So uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I feel like I reflect back on, you know, in my professional world, I come from like a consulting background and I remember like being on this project with, um, can't remember if it was like Microsoft or like T-Mobile or like some random company, but uh, I remember like being in this room with these leaders and I was on this project where they wanted to work on these DNI initiatives. And it was like, I literally walked into the room and it was a bunch of like dudes, bunch of white guys, all like talking about like, how do we bring more, you know, women into the, like the engineering org or like, how do we, and I was like, guys, (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) maybe we shouldn't like be talking about this in a vacuum and like maybe we should like actually consult the diversity in this room 
for the strategy. Um, and so I bring this up because I like appreciate what you're doing, like rather than just talking about it yourself, like let's bring in like the people that can add more color to it. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. It's the, like, and I, I love that example too, because I've seen that happen in many different companies. I mean, we see it too, like, you know, from other companies out there, it's, it's just always just so interesting to like, to see that people take that route when it's just like, Hey, like, why don't we like bring on people who are, who are actually like there in the community in that space. And ultimately like, that's the best way to learn too. Like the best mm-hmm. way to learn is like having conversations like with you, with other people in the queer community. Like that's like how we learn. And so it's cool because like on this podcast, we get to have like, like sure you and me are having a conversation, but technically we're having a conversation with, you know, thousands of listeners right now who are in here. So man, this is a special man and I'm super excited and, you know, always happy to have you on talking about these things. So this is a, this, this has been a real treat. Um, a little bit of a pivot to the conversation. Cause I definitely want to talk a little bit about like your, your career too, and everything. So as I mentioned in the intro, right, you nabbed that ticket at Havelina hundred coming in uh, second, getting your golden ticket, like in just such an incredible performance out in the desert. I mean, like you ran that race, like just masterfully, my friend. And like, that was awesome. But then there was like some complications along the way and, you know, had a little bit of an injury and then had this freak like accident. I don't, I don't, I don't kind of, like, I want like, have you like kind of just talk about that, but I'd love to kind of hear your process of like how you bounced back from that. Cause I see you're, you're back out in the trails, you're running. Um, I know you've kind of had some ups and downs along the way, but it looks like, you know, you're still out there and running. So curious to hear, like, give us some background on kind of like the journey that's been there and how you've been ma- managing, like bouncing back from not just injury, but like, man, that crash, like I, I'm like, my heart still breaks for you, man. Like for real. Thanks. (laughs) It is. Oh my gosh. This is a zaga of what being a professional athlete is at times, I guess, but, and I apologize, apologize for making you relive it too. (laughs) No, no, it's totally fine. I think it's a great example of just the real world. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's just like, you know, we're all vulnerable to injuries. Um, Mm -hmm. especially when, you go outside, quote unquote, your comfort zone and you're pushing your limits. Like these are things that just happen. But, um, but before I go into the injury, I have to give context to people listening about my Western States relationship, because I have been trying to get to Western States for literally three years now. In 2019, I got a spot from a sponsor and I was like, cool, I'm going to run it next year. Awesome. And then 2020, it didn't happen because of the pandemic. So then my entry rolled over to 2021. So I was in, but then springtime of 2021, I actually partially tore my gracilis muscle. It's one of like the muscles, like in your inner thigh. And while like right before Western, I was like, fine. I was being a good athlete and being conservative and decided to pull out of the race before it started to be conservative so that I could run later in 2021. So I made that conscious effort of like, oh, I needed to requalify which I did at Havelina last year, but then fast forward to again this year where I pulled out again for a different injury. So <sighs> it's just been a long process to try to get to the Western States finish uh, start line. So we'll get there. The finish too, the finish too. And the finish. And yeah. the finish. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But like, that is like, Oh my God. Like, just like putting that into perspective of just like having it like so close and then being there. I mean, like even like first, even just to make that conscious decision, like that's gotta be hard. And then even like to, to 
qualify again and get it at Javelina and then just to have all these things there. I mean, like, how do you, how do you like keep your head on in that case? Cause like, I think a lot of people struggle with injury enough, but then like when you kind of have like that big goal that you wanted to kind of go for, like, I mean, I mean, you're still like gunning for it too. Like, you know, you have your eyes on it, which is amazing. And you got this, this, this optimism and spirit about it. And I think it can be so hard, especially like, you know, kind of just having these like crazy things happen and get in the way with it. How did you kind of, how do you kind of keep your head like in check and keep the path forward despite like all the different, you know, mishaps that have happened along the way, which is just crazy. I think if you put too much weight on that particular outcome, i.e. get to Western States, it will eat you up. Mm -hmm. I mean, at times it ate me up because it's like everything that is all consuming to you. And I felt this pressure to be there. And I felt like, you know, I'm like, it's still a growing professional athlete and like felt like, you know, if I can just get to Western, I can like really shine, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I felt, I have felt that pressure, but I've had to, for like mental health reason reasons, and also for sustainability reasons as like an athlete, because I'm, this is a lifestyle, not mm-hmm. a, just a period of time is that I've had to like reshift my point of view with racing and running as like, I'm on an adventure and, you know, because <laughs> Western state doesn't happen right now, or, you know, maybe this is the goal for next year. I'm going to have all these other experiences along the way. And like, those are going to be my focal points and I'm going to learn and grow from those. And if the outcome happens to be the start line of Western States next year, then that's awesome. But if not, like I, I, I am still aligned with like the expectation that I like learned and had all these other experiences and I grew from them. Um, because that's like the only thing you can do when you're injured, like this year because we can go into like more of the injury things but Mm. honestly like july was like one of the darkest like months Mm. like ever in my life i was like unemployed i was injured i just finished surgery and i got covid all like in the same like month (laughs) and i just remember like sitting on my couch just like what is life and what am i doing um but then you like come out of it and you're like wow like that was a moment but you know, I've regrouped and now I'm like setting myself on like little micro goals, like every, you know, month. And now I'm like in a position today where I'm like back to running to your point. I'm like running every week. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling fit. Um, I probably could have ran Javelina if I wanted to, would that be a smart thing? Probably not. So that's why I'm really focusing on 2023 <laughs> and kudos for you for taking the smart move. I mean, that is just, cause I mean, like, I agree. Like I've been looking at your Strava and I'm like, Oh, this dude can go out and like, he, he, I think he can go out and rip it in the desert. But, <laughs> but I, I, I think you're making the smart move for sure. And I think that shows like the maturity in yourself and like, also too, I think it highlights how much emphasis you're putting on like the process, like you mentioned, like enjoying it in there. And I think like the most, at least from all the athletes I've talked to who are like, really, you can tell they're going to be in it for a long time are the ones who are enjoying the process like yourself. And I think it's so cool how you're focusing more so on the lessons, the experiences, like what you're going to learn along the way, as opposed to just Western States or like this race or my a race, whatever that is. And I think that's going to lead to a long and healthy relationship in the sport for you, for sure. Mm -hmm. And for anyone else who takes that to heart, 
I'm curious, like, what was like your bounce back like? I mean, like right now, I mean, I you're you're fit for sure. Like you are you are like running pretty healthy. And so, like, what was that process like coming back from injury? Like, what what were things that you were doing to get into that and to really like bounce back? I'm sure it was like a whole saga and process, but I mean, you once you got on the track, it looked like you were coming back pretty quickly. So, how did you kind of rehab from you know all the the, the various things? I think the biggest takeaway I learned from this season of my life is like immense patience and like Mm. giving yourself so much grace because I, so I guess we hadn't talked about my specific injuries from this year um, in particular, but I I've had chronic plantar fasciitis for about a year and a half now. And even like through my javelina performance last year, I like got a cortisone shot and like went away but then it came back this winter. And so did you feel it at all during the race or like, it it didn't like come out. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Um, Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just like, wait, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. I was like really concerned about Javelina and then I got a cortisone shot and it like went away overnight and it never came back until February where it like started creeping back and I did more cortisone shots and like didn't do anything. And by the way, lots of people have reached out to me about plantar um, in my Instagram since then, including professional athletes. So I can guarantee you, like people are dealing with this and they're like mm-hmm. frustrated. It's like one of the most debilitating injuries ever, mm. but I literally did everything. And that's why like this springtime and this year has felt so defeating because I'm like going to a PT twice a week. I'm going to my doctor. I'm doing a massage. I'm doing like, literally I'm throwing all of my energy at this and it like still wasn't getting better. And so that's why in May I decided to get PRP in my heel, Hmm. um, which is why I made the decision to pull out a Western. Um, And then I got another PRP injection in July. And then Hmm. in come August, it started to like, I was like running again and like felt good. So Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was PRP. And then for people that don't know, I also got hit by a car on my bike in June. <laughs> and that required like a surgery too. Like it wasn't just like yeah. you got like love tapped by the car. Like, I mean, geez. Yeah. Because of the PRP, I was on my bike cross training, which um, I was cycling through a roundabout, which a car did not see me and didn't yield and then sideswiped me. And then I broke my clavicle and some ligaments in my shoulder. So I had to get surgery. Um, so that has been also a process this morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like that is just like, it's just like crazy for me to comprehend. Cause like, it's like a perfect storm of like shit show. <laughs> For real. And it's like, and it couldn't, first of all, it, it really couldn't have happened to a nicer person. I mean, like out of all the, all the people to happen to like for, for you, it's, it's, it, it's, it's heartbreaking for sure. But at the same time, it's also so inspirational to see like you, all the patience that went in it and you just like really just, you know, staying true to kind of who you are. And even though you mentioned before you had that dark moment in July, like, I mean, I can tell that you leaned into just that patience and that like mentality of it's going to, you know, get better and we're going to get back on the feet and everything. And we're ultimately gonna, gonna get back to that place of enjoyment that we're going to. So in terms of like, like, when did you, what was your like first weeks of, of, you know, running back? Like, or maybe what did you do to rehab? Like, what was the key? Because like, to your point, like plantar fasciitis, 
I know a ton of people are dealing with it. Do I have the answers? Absolutely not. Like I don't, like I, I, I'm not a physical therapist or anything. Like, what did you do to finally like crack that, crack that code? Like, are you still feeling pain in your foot? Like, so I'm just curious to hear, cause I know some listeners probably deal with it too. Yeah. When I first started running, it was, um, it was like a month after my second cortisone shot. And I was in Colorado and was like, this is the test I'm going on a run and it hurt really bad. <laughs> and I was so defeated. And like, this is the thing I've learned with injury is like, you need to eliminate all expectations and all outcomes you have in your head. Like you need to be a hundred percent focused on just like micro successes and like taking it mm. day by day by day. Because as I did that, um, like the week later, I went to UTMB to spectate and mm. to like go on vacation. And when I was in Europe, I started like doing more running and I started to like feel my heel, but it got like less and less. And actually by the time I was, I flew home two weeks later, um, I was running like pretty much like 90% pain-free. And mm. so it was like having these like everyday successes of like that run felt good or that run didn't feel good or that run felt good. I could see like this roller coaster, but then it was like slowly like going up and up mm. and up, even though it was still rolling. And I think that just gave me so much more confidence to be like, trust this process, trust this, trust that it's working. And yeah, today I'm, I think I'm, I'm back up to like 70 plus miles a week and I, yeah, my heels, like I would say like 98%, like there's some mm. sensitivity every once in a while, but, um, it really hasn't prohibited me from like any workout, which is really great. That's awesome. And I, I want to say, I think it's so amazing how you talked about like the, it's still an up and down, like journey throughout uh -huh. recovering from injury. But as long as you're making that upward trajectory and focusing on like the micro wins, like, which yep. I think is so powerful because to your, I mean, even me, I mean, I, uh, I remember last year I dealt with like it band syndrome and like, I would go out for a run and it would just hurt. And I'd be like, Oh man, nothing's working. Like blah, blah, blah. But like, I didn't like take a step back. Cause then it wasn't until my PT was like, did it hurt a little less? And I was like, well, yeah, but it still hurts. And she was like, well, you're making progress. It hurt less. Right. Like that's, that's progress. It's like, you can't expect to just have it just, you know, magically switch overnight. And so I think it's so awesome to see, you know, you relaying the message of just like take into account those micro wins, like have no expectations, like no like end goal that you want to mind, like for a specific run and just kind of monitor it and keep that upward trajectory. And like, to your point, like for, if our listeners do that can get to the point where they're, like you said, 70 miles a week, like back to it. And, you know, really onto that path combined with all like those mindset things that you mentioned before, I think it's a, it's a amazing formula for recovery, yeah. so to say. And you don't have to do it alone too. Right, Joe? Like, mm as you're going through injury, it can feel very alone and like you're in the middle of nowhere and no one understands you. But I think through my injury journey, I've, I felt like I've had a lot of, uh, professionals, like my doctors and like my PTs, like I felt like they understood me real. And then my friends, like I've processed a lot of this with my friends. And so I felt like very validated throughout everything. Um, and so I would say like, if you're going through injury, just like have vent sessions every other day or like when you have a bad run and it hurts you like i'm gonna vent to my friend because i just need to process this and then when you have the successful moments like also vent about the success and like i think you need to feel like validated because like the mental side of injury is just as important as like the physical 
health that is developing in your body, you know? So true, man. So, so true. And I, I love that point of like being able to talk and like vent about these things with other mm-hmm. people and especially in ultra running, right? Like, as I mentioned, you know, uh, we were talking before, like ultra runners, probably will inevitably like face like injury or some kind of like tweak in their body, some sort of a road. So it's, I feel like there's relatability with almost anyone, right? Like if, if you go through and vent to someone with an injury, chances are pretty high. They're going to understand what you're going through because they might've been through it before, probably likely, right? Like, and so, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, maybe they can't relate. Like, so I, I feel like that's a cool like thing to keep in mind. I didn't actually put that together until you mentioned that where it's like, yeah, like, I feel like everybody can empathize for the most part because we've all gone through injuries or at least something in our, in our ultra running career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone has been through it, whether they share about it online or not, like we've all been through it. I think when I shared about my plantar fasciitis, literally like hundreds of people were like, Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, me too. So it's some, it makes it feel less lonely. Right. Hundred mm-hmm, percent, and and I think if there's one thing to really like, just encapsulate like this conversation, and really encapsulate like one of the the amazing things about you, Ryan, is like I think you 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 give your community that that follows you and and adores you, and you know really just sees you as like a source of inspiration. Like you you create this place to show and like, hey, like you know we're all going through our own shit, whether it's injuries, whether it's feeling like, you know, we're, we're not included or feeling like we're alone or anything like that, man. I think like, that's like the message that you are really putting out with like everything that you're doing. And I think it makes you, you know, one of the reasons why you're a fan favorite among the ultra community for sure. And you know why this ultra community, I believe is a better place because you're in it. And so I appreciate you sharing all the things about injury, all the things you're doing in, in, for the queer community and really giving it a voice and advocating and everything. And I'm curious for you, my friend, I know we talked about kind of what's next for you in like the community side, like what's next for you on like the racing side. Like, do you have any races on the idea of, of what you want to go for in the docket? I know we kind of talked a little bit about this before the show, but curious to hear if you're, you want to drop anything live on air for the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thanks for asking. <laughs> but you can imagine that from a year of like literally no racing, I did run, I did run running up for air in February. Oh, nice. It's all like, which was fun. Um, but literally no races since then. Um, I am, I think I need to like give my all again to like try Western States one more time. Like, so, um, my plan right now is I definitely want to run, uh, Bandera since that's mm-hmm. the next golden ticket race after Javelina. Um, and then also I kind of want to go on vacation and also race at the same time. So I'm thinking about Terra as well. Um, so, you know, That'd be awesome if I can get, get, get the golden ticket at Bandera and then go to Terraware and like just have fun. But either way, I'm going to like race both, I think, and just like have a fun time. Um, and then I also am like looking at Leadville as like another race mm. later in the season. I feel like it's a race that suits me really well. Um, like very like runnable, like mountain terrain at like high, high elevation is like something I think like suits me really, really well. So, um, yeah, we'll see if I can get in via the lottery. And then if not, I'll probably change plans. 
So awesome, man. And I will be so stoked to see you go for, for Western States again. And I will be rooting for you to get in. Cause I was like, please get Ryan into Western States. Like, like let him run this race. Like, like I want, I want Ryan to have this. So I'm, I'm super excited for you, man. And I'll be cheering you on for sure. And one curious, like quick tangential question, yeah, like, cause you mentioned with Leadville, like you're more of like that mountain runner and everything, but like Javelina is like kind of like a different totally different kind of race, right? It's sure it's rolling, you know, sure. But it's, it's extremely runnable, not a mountain race by any means. Like, so it's so interesting to see, like, you know, you play to a race like Lebo, like you mentioned before, but still be able to be so successful at Javelina. How did you, how did you transfer those skills? Like, and because I think, and, and this is something even like that I notice in myself is like, I think it can be like easy to kind of like identify as like a specific type of runner and maybe like you think oh like I can be good at this kind of event but maybe not this event and everything like that and I think it's a a limited kind of view but I think for you like seeing like how you do well at Javelina and also knowing that you're well at like the mountain races like shows that you kind of have you know you the versatility Versatility. which I think is so Mm -hmm. powerful so to bring all this long-winded question like into a thing how do you be versatile like that and like you know, play to a race that maybe, you know, isn't one that you say, Oh, this is my strength or anything in order to be successful in that arena. I really believe that you can train for any type of brain and like be successful on it. It just, I think it requires a different level of like discipline and preparing for that race. But as I kind of reflect on like my ultra running journey, I approached ultra running as like, I'm going to have all these crazy adventures, all these crazy races early in my career. So I like, I've, I've ran all of like the mountainous hundred milers in Utah. Like the Wasatch 100 was like my first one, but then, uh, you know, my third hundred or fourth hundred was bad water. Um, I've ran a flat ultra in Alaska. I've ran Tahoe 200. I've ran Havelina. I've ran desert solstice, 24 hour race. These are all like so fundamentally different, yeah. which I feel like has allowed me to be I think I shared about this on like Dylan Bowman's podcast earlier this year, where I just have like this love of like new experiences and having like context and experience in like those new terrains, such as like running on a track or, you know, running at 12,000 feet, you kind of just like need those experiences to like build confidence to like perform. Um, And so I think from my experience, it's just like enabled me to be more confident, like approaching uh, Havelina or, you know, a UTMB in the future. Cause I feel like I've done them both and I know like what I need to do to be successful in both, but they're still very different. <laughs> so did that, did that make sense? I felt like that was a bit rambling. That was a great answer. I love that. And it, it's so cool to see that you like put yourself in those arenas like beforehand, mm-hmm. right? Because I think it can be easy and this can not just be racing, but just like you know, identity in general, like when we identify as something, right? Like, let's just say like, it's like, oh, I identify as like a, you know, 50 mile or whatever. And it's like, oh, because like maybe I identify that I never throw my ring in like the hat of a hundred or something like that. But unless you like put yourself in there and have that experience, it's hard to like really just like convince yourself, like you can do this until you actually go through the fire and do it. So I can totally see like how, you know, you had this amalgamation of all these different races that are wildly different. Right. And I mean like <laughs> desert solstice versus like Tahoe to Tahoe 200. I mean like wildly different. Could not be real- more different. <laughs> yeah. Like, like those are like, like 
opposite sides of like the running spectrum for sure. But I can see, cause like anytime you sign up for a race now, I feel like it can just be, Oh yeah, I've had a similar race this before. I know that I can do it. And it kind of gives you that extra confidence boost and, you know, has you kicking a gear, man. So I love that. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I think it's like important to think about like, why is it that we're ultra runners in the first place? It's because we're like, want to have diverse, unique experiences with the outdoors and we want to go on an adventure. And I think we can easily fall into group think that like, oh, a UTMB race is like the only mountain race that is valid. But you know, mm. like there's literally so many races that are so unique that can provide such a new context in life. So um, I, feel, I feel that so hard as like a pro athlete because I feel like a lot of like where the industry is going is like focusing you on like, you have to be at Western States or UTMB to be like quote unquote visible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still like trying to find ways where I can like do that while also like embody like the, the more adventurous things that I like want to do. Like I want to do the Tahoe Rim Trail FKT sometime, or I want to oh. do like the John Muir FKT. And it's like trying to find where that fits in. <laughs> right. It, it, that is an interesting point to see like where, you know, as like a pro runner, right. Because especially with like UTMB, like now with their new race format, with all these oh, different, gosh. like <laughs> it is, uh, I mean, that's a whole topic for another podcast yeah. episode, but, but I, I, I think we're on the same page here to think like, it's, you know, sometimes it's like, how much do we emphasize? Like, you know, the big championship race. And obviously it's different with the pro, like, you know, you have, you know, your, your sponsorship and, you know, your obligations to be at, at some of these races, but at the same time, it's like, where do we lean into like the fun and the essence of the sport that we get in? I feel like that's why 2020 was such like a cool year for like ultra runners. Right. Because like, it was like, yeah, you can just do whatever your passion project was like at that point. And like, really like it, it was uh, anyone's game. Like, and so it'd be cool definitely not cool to have another pandemic, but it would be cool to like, see if there was like another like year where, you know, we can kind of have like runners just do their passion project yeah. for, you know, the year and just see where it goes. In 2020, did you do an FKT? I did not. I did not okay. do an FKT. I was, uh, I was still trying to find my way in the ultra space. I hadn't even done like my, I'd done one ultra at that point, but like still wasn't so serious about it. But I think, uh, now if the pandemic was like, this year I would, I would go for it. Did you go for one? Like during the, during the uh, pandemic? I did one. Um, I did the Wonderland trail unsupported. So cool. Oh my gosh. What was that? Like, that is incredible. First of all, like that trail is like gnarly. <laughs> and like, secondly, <laughs> like that is incredible. Like what was that experience just like unreal? It was just one of the best experiences of my life. I feel like I, so I grew up in the Seattle area. And so I always like, as a kid, we like, look up at Mount Rainier and we like learned about Mount Rainier in elementary school. And so I've just always had like a love for Mount Rainier. So for people that don't know, the Wonderland trail circumnavigates um, the mountain Mount Rainier. And, you know, in 2020, there was like a lot of like a lot of people doing it, um, especially in the supported category. Yeah. Um, And so yeah, I was training for desert solstice that year. And so I decided to go for the unsupported and man, it was, it's a grueling trail of just like yeah. nonstop up and down and up and down. Um, it was also like my first time doing something unsupported and just like drinking water, like straight from, you know, at Creek and just like, here we go. All the food really? that I need for a day, I'm just going to do it myself. Um, but yeah, I just, I learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about the nature I was in and the environment I was in. Um, 
and yeah, I just like, it was one of the highlights of like my running career. I feel like. That is so amazing. Like, first of all, again, shows your versatility when you said training for desert solstice, but doing the unsupported FKT on the Wonderland Trail. So I guess when you say that, that doesn't make sense at all. The, but here is, I am. The, I just wanted to say, like, it just goes back to the versatility. But man, so amazing for you to have, you know, not only that FKT experience, but I love like the personal tie back to like, you know, growing up where you were from and always looking at Mount Rainier and just like, I mean, that's a beautiful mountain, as you know, like, and just like to, to go and circumnavigate that on that brutal trail for you know one of your first times like you said out there filtering water like carrying all this stuff i mean that's I an incredible didn't you didn't I don't recommend that to people but <laughs> so you just like <laughs> scooped it up and just just like just just went for it well so i've had experience <laughs> drinking sketchy water before and i've never had giardia so i figured i would probably be okay and i was oh but i don't recommend that to anybody so don't keep me liable <laughs> probably saved you some good time too right you just scoop yeah, and exactly. go and, and you're oh man that is awesome ryan man like this uh this conversation was awesome like you you are amazing in every way like again not just as a runner but as a person uh love this conversation so cool like i just love you know uh just how inspirational you are, how much of an ally and an advocate you are for the queer community, how much of just uh, a beacon of hope you are even for, for people in that space, for people who are injured and just for any runner who wants to like be truly themselves. And uh, this was truly a special conversation. And before I ask my last question that I ask every guest on the show, where can our listeners follow along with you, tap into more of, of your world and uh, ultimately, you know, follow on the journey, which everyone here, please follow Ryan. I mean, he, you, like I said, you know, before you do such an excellent job at, I think, uplifting communities and um, anyone in the ultra running space, I think can benefit from just following along and just hearing what you have to say. So first of all, everyone here, please follow Ryan and where can they do so on, on the socials, on the interwebs, anywhere, um, if they want to do so. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, my most active channel is Instagram. Um, and I'm just ultra dot Ryan on Instagram. That's also my handle for TikTok. I'm learning to be a TikToker and trying go. to tell this story on TikTok, but it's really hard as a millennial trying to figure out TikTok. Um, <laughs> but we're trying and we're, we're learning and we're trying. That's like my two cents. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I know, right? Like as millennials, I feel like the, the, it's ingrained so much in Gen Z cultures that are us millennials, like we're still trying to figure it out. It's uh, we need to get more runners on TikTok though. So it's so cool to see like you're in there and doing it. And uh, man, if there's someone who can figure out and make it happen, I know it's you, my friend. So excited to see that. I'll drop uh, Ryan's social channels in the show notes for you to follow as well. And Ryan, my friend, for the last question here that I ask every single guest on the show, what can our listeners do every single day to be a better runner? I would say go out and just try to find fun and adventure every day. And I think if you approach every, every run with that mindset, I think you'll be surprised what you learn and take away every day. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I think your love for adventure is infectious. Cause even as, as you mentioned infectious in a good way, I know infection can like, obviously that sounds like a terrible, ugly word, but <laughs> contagious, that's the better word there. Let me just like preface that. But uh, the way that you talk about running is, is I think it allows people to fall in love with running a lot more. I said, like I mentioned, I listened to a podcast, so you talk about it even on here, just talking about it, man, just got me 
so much more excited for the sport. So um, as I was before, so Ryan is a pleasure listening to you. I definitely want to do this again in the future because I don't think an hour was nearly long enough to uh, dive in. I mean, like we, we ended on the wonderland trail. It's like, no, I don't want to go into that and everything. So <laughs> hope, hopefully we can do this again soon, but thank you yeah. again for this, man. This is amazing. Thank you for having me, Joe. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Appreciate you listening in. And if you have any topics or guests or suggestions for the show, I would love to hear that because I want to make sure this show is so valuable to you that I'm able to provide all the things that you're looking for to become a better endurance athlete every day. So if you have those things, feel free to send them over to me on Instagram at Joe Corsione. That is my handle, J-O-E-C-O-R-C-I-O-N-E. And I'm more than happy to fit it into the show, reach out to the guests that you're looking for, and ultimately give the value that you're looking for. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. Uh, Would love to get more ultra runners and uh, people in the ultra endurance community listening to this podcast, because the more this podcast grows, the better we're able to serve you as well. And so thank you so, so much again for listening in. I tell you, I do not take it lightly. And remember, my friends, become a better endurance athlete every single day. Take care.